Oh, that sucks. Oh, that fucking sucked. Oh, that fucking sucked. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am one of your hosts, John, and with me as always is Daniel Terry, drinking a nice, delicious cold beverage. How are you doing this evening? Doing good. Decided to go for some space dust. I have uh, kind of gone on sort of a sort of a diet. Um in the sense that I'm just trying not to drink as much beer and eat as much food. It's nothing crazy. I'm not, like, posting a 12-step program or anything on Facebook. I'm just kind of, like, chilling and just trying to be a little bit more conscious of my intake. But uh, it's been about a week or two since I had any space dust, so I was like, I can, you know, have a space dust or two on the you know, on one episode. I uh, am drinking a Southern Tier Brewing Company Vanilla Whipped Milkshake IPA. Yeesh. Um, that's a lot. Yes. In uh, one of the interviews you'll hear coming up, uh, you'll hear me drinking it for the first time on air, uh, and I decided it was so good, I went and bought every single can that they had left at the place I got it from. Uh, these only come in four packs. I think I bought seven of them because someone had opened the second to last uh, package. Um, so I bought those and some trusty old Evan Williams. Um, nice. Actually, the other drink, because usually, you know, I'm a... Dan can sometimes see the assorted beverages I like to drink all at one time. So I have a uh, zero sugar Powerade purple because, you know, we don't talk about them in flavors. They are the colors. Right. Uh, so I have purple zero sugar Powerade. Uh, but these are my new thing, my go tos. These uh, oh, where's my camera for Dan? These sparkling ices. So they have these sparkling ice waters, nice. kind of like a carbonated water. But then they just came out with these uh, these plus caffeine ones. And boy, these uh, blue raspberry boys are uh, really fucking good. Um, all the flavors that they have of those things are really good. If you're just into kind of like fizzy soda water, like just soda water, not like pop. Um, they have a, some interesting flavors, like a ginger lime that's really good. Um, just a little something different. Uh, they're usually about a buck, buck twenty or so, so they're relatively cheap. So it's like a like a flavored club soda, basically. Yeah, basically, okay. um, kind of like an alternative alternative to a Lacroix or you know Buble or whatever those things are. You know that are kind of flooding the market now. Yeah, haven't dipped into the uh, to the water stuff yet. Probably should. That's all. It's all good. It's it's fun to just completely get different things. Although I do have this weird uh, conspiracy theory that uh, Coca Cola is doing those Coke remix machines just solely so they can collect data from people and go, oh, everyone's doing these orange vanillas, uh, orange vanilla cokes. So let's can that and then sell it as something new. Right. Although if you ever do one of those, you have to get grape vanilla Sprite. Um, that is super delicious. You had me at grape, not so much at, at, at vanilla. Uh, the vanilla is just kind of like a little accent flavor more than anything. Gotcha. I guess it's perfectly mixed then. Yes. Um, all that aside, this episode's guest is Mikey from Islander. Uh, this was a fun one. Um, 
Mikey has uh, been on a lot of the podcasts that we are friends with uh, over at the Talk To Me podcast, Good Company with Bowling. And, uh, you know, after hearing him and his brother over on the Good Company with Bowling episode, uh, really was kind of like, oh, it seems like Mikey's really primed and fit for, you know, a long form interview uh, chat kind of a thing. And, you know, just very down to earth and very knowledgeable and very open about a lot of his experiences. And, I mean, those always make for the best uh, podcast episodes. So, um reached out uh to his publicist and set something up and a day later here we are and you know it's kind of funny he was talking about his new puppy that he just got and you know i was kind of dealing with the same thing so that was kind of fun you know talking about uh puppy issues where he's like oh shit my dog's chewing on something or you know whatever <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh that, w- that was kind of hilarious i actually really enjoyed this chat because you guys kind of got into some of the more industry side of things and and more specifically like band behaviors and how bands treat each other and and collaborations and things like that and that's something that you know i even see even with what we do in the in the podcasting stuff how you know i think there are some podcasters that view other podcasts as competition <laughs> Absolutely. In, in a way and um you know ever ever since i've been doing it at least which i guess is probably like i don't know like three three and a half years now i never really like looking at it that way because you know sure you guys you might get the same guest as somebody else every now and again um but i, I don't know like in a certain way it's like as a as a listener isn't it more enjoyable whenever two people interview the same person and you get a more complete picture you know of what they're talking about um and things like that so like in, in that sense it's like i just with all of my podcast friends that i've made over the years you know i want to see all of us do well not just you know one of us be at the top or you know um which is why you know we're always name dropping other podcasts it's not to make ourselves sound cooler it's just that there might be people listening to our show that you know have never heard of the roach coach podcast or you know um there's people that have you know maybe listening to talk to me and never heard of brittly speaking and and so on and so forth so I, i feel like all of us kind of collectively at least in our little scene you know scott bowling you know people like that we're, we're always kind of name dropping each other just to let everybody know that like hey if you like what we're doing over here you're gonna really like what my friends over here are doing yeah i think that's kind of the thing you know we've kind of beaten that to death over the years of you know having you and i collectively on the show together is kind of they're not being competition like you know even collectively between you and i there's some people who seemingly still <laughs> don't believe that you and i are on bad terms uh or have any issues and i know sometimes you know, you weren't able to, you know, having a newborn, yeah. <laughs> weren't able to, and having a completely different job, weren't always able to to get episodes out. So sometimes it was a matter of me going, ah, I got to hurry up and do this so I can edit it and get it out in time. Sure. And, you know, it's funny that people would be like, oh, so what's going on with Dan? And it's like, nothing. He's busy. He has four fucking kids. <laughs> There's nothing going on. I asked I just him don't... to do it, and he said no. <laughs> yeah, he was busy. So I, I went on, and it was it's fine. He'll be back. And, you know, it, it's just kind of funny. And I think, you know, speaking to that part of the conversation with Mikey from Islander, you know, I, I do think it's interesting. And I was kind of surprised that he did answer the question where I was like, do you think kind of being associated with these people is kind of a hindrance that people maybe – don't think that you've earned any of the things that you've gotten so far. And uh, I was, you know, really... Aw- it's a tough question. I thought it was really cool that he basically answered it as honestly as he did. And I I mean, selfishly, I think it would have been kind of interesting to, to hear who are some of the bands maybe that 
do things the wrong way or are kind of maybe not the wrong way but are just not as genuine and nice as like you know he's talking about the dudes from corn being and and you know sunny from pod and like all those dudes and basically all the camps that he always is you know hanging out with and talking to but i mean i mean let's be real i think if you know anything about those bands or those people i think it's safe to assume that you would assume those people are as nice and genuine as they appear to be because look at the career and longevity they've had. You can't do that if you're a prick. The people that we've talked to, you know, it's been, they've always been super chill. I mean, I can't think of any episode that we've posted where anybody's ever been like totally full themselves, hard to deal with, you you know, that, that sort of thing. And usually it's the more, you know, it's, it's the more famous, the band, the chiller, the dude (laughs) is what I'm, what I'm starting to see. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of chill dudes and all that, let's get into my conversation with Mikey from Islander. It's a little bit longer, so let's get right to it, and we'll talk to you on the other side. So I had the pleasure of talking to Mikey of Islander, whose latest single, It's the End of the World as We Know It, out now. How are you doing on this Friday amongst all of this crazy shit going on? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing I'm doing better than I deserve. So I'm uh, here I am, just hanging out with my puppy. Just, uh, yeah. <laughs> I actually just got one of those uh, a week from yesterday, or tomorrow, actually, as a born recording. Oh, what kind? We don't know. We think it's a... <laughs> Uh, it kind of has more of a, a shepherd like face, uh, but it's kind of tiny. Uh, a friend of mine actually bought, uh, adopted the brother, and he looks more beagle, and the sister looks like a full-on black lab. So we're not entirely sure what it is, because um, oh. it's just kind of there's so many mixes of other things from the other uh, parts of the the litter but um i don't know we're taking her to a vet soon once all this kind of blows over so hopefully maybe they can tell us yeah well either way it's it's a dog so those <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's definitely made the week uh this past week a lot more tolerable yeah i feel you um you know speaking to this latest single uh, what made you guys choose this song in particular uh as opposed to something else to cover um for us we always try to do things that are relevant and, and in the moment and we were actually we were in California about two and a half, three weeks ago when all this was kind of really about to hit the fan. We were getting off of Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland and we <laughs> heard NBA was canceled. That's the first thing that kind of made people, you know, feel like, okay, maybe there's more to this than just whatever. So I said we should jump in the studio and record as the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. And at first it was kind of like, you know, just yeah, let's do this because this is like the song of the time of the moment, kind of like no doubt did on like Y2K on MTV back in the day. And except what Y2K wasn't real, this is real. And once we recorded it, we didn't really know what we were going to do with it. But then um, my brother and I, my brother's in the band, he's the keyboard player. Um, Our aunt in New York city ended up getting COVID-19 and passing away from it. Hmm. So we use the song to spread awareness to wash your hands and to stay home, but also we're raising funds for the NYC low income artist freelancer relief fund. And, um, that's, that's all we care about right now, man, just spreading the message, the po- positive love and not trying to make people feel unencouraged. We want people to know that they're not alone and that it, even if it is the end of the world, 
or it feels like the end of the world rather. Um, what is it that's making you feel fine? That's kind of what we're we're going at. It was kind of interesting because, you know, lyrically, this song still holds up, you know, all the decades later of this. Um, and I actually had thought that listening to your song, there were a couple of lyrics that you had changed, but it was more to the effect of you guys actually vocally made it to where you could understand all the lyrics, which, you know, it's funny right. to bring up that, uh, that no doubt cover. Cause if you remember the people like the, uh, production people were holding up the cue cards with the lyrics because Gwen couldn't yep. remember the lyrics because they go so fast. And yep. it's one of those things that I, I kind of thought that was really interesting that, you know, there seemed to be more of an emphasis on the lyrics in your version versus any I've ever heard, uh, any covers that is. And so I kind of wanted to know what uh, made you take that approach to having the lyrics kind of really be front and center? Hey, um, well, for me, I mean, being the lyricist, I, I, when I was learning the song, I was sitting there with it and I was like, first of all, Michael Stipe is a genius for writing this. And He's got bars. Second, yeah, he's dude. He does, man. He's he's got him. And uh, I was like, second of all, you know, if I'm gonna do this, I want people to know that I nailed the lyrics. All right? so, <laughs> and that, that's that's the truth. That's really what it came down to. So we actually recorded it. Um, we made sure to do it in the same tempo as theirs, but we changed up some of the rhythm. So it feels a little different, but it's actually if you put them side by side, they're the same tempo. Mm. So. Yeah, it was kind of interesting, you know, just thinking about that. And it was, it is kind of funny being as old as I am that, you know, the Y2K uh, cover, uh, the New Year's Eve cover that MTV used to do when they would do the whatever New Year's Eve show that it was called. Uh, it's, you know, it was always funny because I think Papa Roach was on and I think they did Lithium, um, if I'm not mistaken. POD was on it too. They did uh, Get Up Stand Up by Bob Marley. That's right. Man, I, <laughs> it's so weird to think about how, you know, I, I've actually kind of talked to, uh, you know, recently to a handful of different people uh over the podcast the last couple of weeks of you know just mtv and how big it actually was uh and and it's not really an avenue that people have you know because i was talking more about at my age you know there are a lot of bands and records i was getting into at the time that some people kind of call me out and they're like dude you were like seven when that came out you were really listening to that and it's like yeah, because MTV was on in my house all the time. So, yeah, I was listening to, you know, a lot of hip hop thanks to, you know, MTV rap, yo MTV raps or 120 minutes coming into the alternative scene and, you know, staying up and watching Headbangers Ball and getting into, you know, death metal and so forth. So, yeah, MTV was pretty cool for introducing a lot of people to a lot of different things. And I think that kind of it's kind of interesting because I feel like you guys are an interesting band in the fact that it's kind of hard to pigeonhole you into anything. And I think that is something that's really interesting because it reminds me of a band like seeing Faith No More as a kid and being like, what is this? Or a band like Fishbone and being like, it's rock, but it's kind of this other thing that I guess is ska that I don't know what that is. But it's it's interesting, you know, thinking about bands back then taking risk and not being defined by any genre or style. And it seems like you guys are kind of doing the same thing. And I, I don't know if people realize how adventurous that is and how refreshing it is to see a band, especially a, a quote unquote newer one doing that. Are you finding that? Yeah, dude, I, that's an honor first and foremost to hear you say that even to put us in the same sentence as faith no more or whatever. But like, um, I know that for us, we, we grew up listening to tons of different music and we didn't set out to try to, you know, have a certain sound or whatever. We just, we do what Islander is and whatever Islander is, is just kind of what we feel at that moment. We feel like it all, it all correlates and um, feels it feels the same, even though it sounds different from each other. Like one song can be a little different, but um, it all feels like Islander. But that's because we grew up listening to, you know, Bad Brains and Bjork and Depeche Mode and 
Converge and Zaya, all these different bands that kind of just gelled into whatever it is that we're doing. So this is typically a question I'd never ask, but it was something I was kind of thinking of in correlation to just kind of the, uh, I had two thoughts as I was kind of listening to everything today and kind of taking it all in and just kind of going like, man, it reminds me of this. And there's so many different influences I hear, but also just a lack of defined, uh, you know, genre that you're going for is I was kind of th- a thinking of like Island and Misfit Toys for some reason, but then I was kind of thinking more Island and Islander and kind of wondering, does the name kind of represent if you were stuck on an island, you're kind of trying to incorporate all the things that you would want to hear to keep you you know, happy or uh, what, I don't know necessarily the word or adjective I want to use, but just kind of thinking about like that, where it's like, we want to be the perfect like mixtape compilation band for everybody who do. There's a little bit of something here for everybody. Wow. Dude, that's, I've never, I've never thought of it that way. And that's the first time I've heard that, but I think that's my favorite (laughs) for our band name yet. Um, Our band name, our original guitar player, um, we were trying to come up with a band name. We were going to be called elders, but there was this hardcore band that we found that had that name. And then after afterwards, we thought about it. We were like, you know what? It's probably good that we didn't name our band that because if we're ever like the Rolling Stones still doing it, <laughs> everybody's like, man, they, you guys are elders. So we were like, no, nah, let's not do that. So he he had an Islander IPA beer koozie mm. sitting next to him. It's a beer from uh, San Diego, California. And he just said, how about we call the band Islander? And we were like, cool. Like We don't like any band name, so let's just pick one. Yeah, it was just one of those that it's like typically I don't really ever ask or indulge in the, so what does your band name mean? But it was just something, like I said, I kind of kept coming back to it and especially thinking about the R.E.M. cover because it's in a sense, it makes total sense to pick it because of the the time we're in. However, I don't know that, you know, R.E.M. would be on a lot of people's radar uh, as far as a band where they'd be like, oh, I really dig R.E.M. and what they do. And as I've gotten older, I kind of really appreciate it so much to the effect of uh, when Jonathan Davis put out his solo record, there was like a mandolin kind of in that first single that he had. And I was like, that sounds so similar to the losing my religion mandolin solo. That's kind of in it or the melody that's in it. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm that old dude now who's comparing corn to, <laughs> to oh, R.E.M. Yeah. or oh, Jonathan man. Davis. That is, I should say. Yeah, dude. I love that guy. I'm good friends with him. <laughs> Speaking of good friends, uh, Scott Bowling, you were on his show. Uh, I think, a while ago now, but uh, he just reposted the audio version of that uh, recently. And, you know, you guys were kind of talking about uh, sort of being in this, I'll call it a holding pattern uh, with with a label at this point or, you know, um, and I don't know if people realize sort of the intricacies of when you're doing something with the label, you know, they have projections of we'd like you to get this done at this time because of these tours, these count, like the things going on fiscally in the calendar year and so forth. Um, it seems like you guys are just avid creators, always working on something, just kind of making your new thing. And so I was kind of wondering, cause you didn't necessarily get into it too much. Um, have you found that being in more of a traditional, uh, label system has kind of hindered or, um, helped your creative uh patterns at all um i think both and i know it sounds funny and political to say both but it it really has it's um they've given us so many opportunities to go write with other people and um and and all these different producers like we and we've never done co-writes before and we didn't know what that meant when we first got on the label because in the past you know we've always islander has been a band we write our own songs and i know the rem songs a cover we've never done a cover till that but i'm saying like for our you know our originals we we write all of our own music and a lot of bands don't do that anymore so 
for us, when we heard about co-writes, it scared us a little bit. But when we went out to California and wrote with like all these different people, we realized they weren't writing our songs. They were playing producer. So we were sitting down and we were scared they were going to be handing me the lyrics and the guitar parts. And it wasn't like that at all, man. Like, so, um, I don't know. We, I think the thing for us is we, we have so many ideas and we're visionaries in a way that like my biggest influences aren't even in music. It's like, I think about Walt Disney eating dog food in Illinois just to try to make this company work. And now I look at what Disney is and I'm like, you know, I, I want that. I want to be, instead of a, a musician, I want to be an Imagineer. I want to use this band as an art project instead of, instead of just being like, oh, we're a band. I'm a singer. Like I want it, I want it to like just be farther and bigger than all that. So I think for us being the smaller band that we are on the label, opposed to bands like Motley Crue and Papa Roach and, you know, Five Finger, whatever, like stuff like that. I think that for us, we're kind of having to prove ourselves right now, but we also, you know, we, we welcome the challenge. We want them to know that we're not just a, another flash in the pan. We're a career band and um, we have deep roots in, in, in DIY culture. So, um, we just hope that they're ready to work with us on that. <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting. A very small amount of people I've had on the show actually kind of have uh, talked openly about co-writes and co-writers and so forth. Um, the thing that's always interesting to me is I, I feel like as long as the the best version of whatever it is you're trying to do is what's coming out, I don't think it really necessarily matters how you got there. And I think it's interesting that, you know, Typically, when you think of co-writers, a lot of people think of pop people, and they're like, well, they don't write their own stuff, and so on and so forth. And I feel like in the last handful of years, you know, people in the rock and metal world have kind of become more uh, open to the idea of working with co-writers and actually yeah. coming out with some of the best stuff that they've ever come out. I mean, I'm kind of looking at Body Count as a great example. They're kind of mm -hmm. cherry-picking the best of everything in current metal and hardcore and yeah. just putting out like their last three records are just always a step above everything they've been doing, but they've always yeah. been a great band, but now they're able to fire really on all cylinders because they, they're able to work with people who are able to bring out the best of that band and working with Will Putney as a producer, who also is a great songwriter in his own right. And so I, I wondered when you say and tell people like, Oh, you know, we're going to work with these people. Is there any kind of like, Oh man, you guys don't write your own shit. Or like, is there any still kind of a backlash in the industry or at least in your scene? of that or is it kind of starting to become more acceptable now um it is more acceptable and again like there are bands that they show up and they're handed their lyrics i'm, I'm not joking i'm not going to sugarcoat it they, and i'm not going to say who it is and throw them under the bus but there's bands that show up and they say where's my song islander islander can't ever be that band like we're we have something to say we have a message we have integrity and in art and um but but at the same time i'm not I'm not so I, I'm a learner. I want to learn from people and I want to, I want them to tell me if something sucks. Like I, if I come in with something, I want them to say, well, there's a cooler way to do what you're trying to do. <laughs> and I, for me, that's a lot of what co-writing is. It's just more than playing producer and being that outside ear and helping me be the best me that I can be. And that's what they're doing for everybody in our band. And so far, we've just loved that whole process. So we haven't experienced, you know, letting other people just hand us songs. But we know for a fact, just from working with, you know, these producers, we get in there and they're like, do you want me just to hand you a song? And we're like, no, they're like, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
I'm sorry. My dog is insane right now. That's fine. My uh, my old dog before we had to put her down on New Year's New Year's Day. Uh, you could usually hear her in the background barking at something, so it's kind of used to it. Yeah, he's a uh, he's a, he's about a ten a ten month old puppy, and he doesn't understand that I'm doing interviews and stuff. So he's just kind of doing whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> this is real life, though. This is this is a uh, social distancing interviews. Yeah, I uh, I think this is the second or third one I've done since all this really has been going on. Just because I'm trying not to fall into the trap of, you know, there's so many interviews available, but then realizing since I have a puppy, I can't, like, just hole up in my office anymore and just spend, you know, five or six hours editing a couple of podcasts or doing a bunch. So it's like, all right, I got to find that sweet spot of, like, doing them and still staying on track of the one a week. But it, it's uh, proving to be a little bit difficult this last uh, week or so. I feel you. Um, you know, actually kind of something, you know, you were talking about, you know, knowing, uh, you know, Jonathan Davis and, you know, you tour and know a lot of people in the industry that have been around for a long time. And I've kind of wondered, do you, you feel like, I feel like you are someone who, like you said, constantly wants to learn, constantly is trying to just soak up any knowledge you can. So, you know, kind of how has it been being able to become friends with some of these people who have had legendary careers who have kind of not only sustained a lot of different genres and trends and so forth but have kind of put their stamp on those trends and or, or being trendsetters themselves what are you gleaming from some of the people that are now your peers and friends in the industry dude this that's huge for us um you know when we started you know being noticed by a lot of those bigger bands we were on mayhem festival 2014 and um about the third day in we started noticing that some of the corn guys were standing on stage watching us avenge sevenfold suicide silence um all, all those bands that were on the tour and um the tour ended i had my own bunk on corn's bus and we were touring in a in a van with no air conditioning and uh we were sleeping in seats like because the van didn't have any benches or anything it was a conversion van like a family van so that that's just the kind of guys they are, they're relational guys. Um, we're a relational band. We try so hard just to, you know, build those relationships, not just for business, but sincere. Like, I don't care if you're a rock star or, you know, just the person running, running merch for the night or whatever at, at these big festivals or whatever. I, I want to know you. I want to, I want to care about you and, and who you are. And I don't, I don't want to just, you know, kiss ass my way like my way through the industry if that's so to speak like right kiss sorry I, i'm my dog i'm sorry he's he's really yeah if i look if i'm if i'm looking away i'm just seeing what he's destroying so anyways um yeah i just don't want to kiss ass my way through the industry i want to i want to be genuine and and um we've met a lot of genuine people that way so as far as like jonathan davis and stuff corn's taken us out three times and they've just been just the best friends in this industry that you could have. And something I've noticed is there's been bands that we've toured with that aren't as big as bands like corn or POD or whatever, and Papa Roach. And they, there's bands that treat you like trash and it's the ones that think that that's what the rock stars do. But then there's bands that are actually big and they get it. And corn is one of those bands for sure. And they, they're always giving us their pizza and their hotel rooms and, POD's been the same way to us. Like Sonny will give us his hotel rooms and like it's just crazy. Like the the amount of love and and uh mentorship they've given us. And uh Jonathan Davis, he actually recorded a song with us one time when we were 
like riding down the road on his bus. He invited me on his bus to live for a few days um, on the 20th anniversary of the first album for Corn. Um, and he was like, let's record this song, you know, while we're going down the road. And it'll be a, a cool story. So I don't know. Just I don't even have enough good things to say about those guys, man. I, those guys have helped us tremendously. Um, so, you know, something that was interesting, as you were kind of saying uh, a little bit ago, uh, talking about, you know, what you've learned from from Jonathan and, and all these bands and artists that you've had the pleasure of, you know, becoming friends with. Something I've kind of wondered, you know, the industry is basically all about who you know and the connections that you make. But I do wonder, has because you're still relatively viewed as a, as a quote unquote new band, have you seen that those connections have kind of uh, also maybe been a hindrance where people think that you're, you guys aren't putting in the work, whether it be from other industry people or other band people that you've toured with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a good question because that doesn't get brought up a lot. But basically, people, some people end up thinking, number one, that if, because we toured with Korn and, and Papa Roach and all these bands, they, they think we're rich. Like they, they literally are just like, how like your band is rich you're so rich and it's like dude i don't have any money that's just the, the truth it's like when you tour with some of these bands what you're actually doing is getting paid less because you're doing it more for the exposure so um that that's one thing that's kind of difficult sometimes people thinking i'm rich <laughs> um other than <laughs> other than that uh, i would say that there's been times where i think people think that we were friends with some of these bands prior to uh, being a band even or something. I don't, I don't know. I, I just kind of get that vibe where they think that they're helping because they're just being nice. And it's like, nah, dude, like they had never heard of my band. And that's why they started helping because they, they were like a fan of the band. And um, yeah, some, sometimes it's, it's just hard just uh, also being associated in the sense that just because you're friends with all these bands, people think that that's your genre or that you sound exactly like those bands. And, your success starts being based off of what those bands are doing instead of what your own band is doing. And you, you get a fan base that, you know, you, you can't pick and choose your fan base. And I, I'm not the kind of guy that cares what any of my fan base believes or looks like or listens to. I'm just thankful for any single person that's going to listen to our jams and enjoy them or whatever. And for those that don't, that's, that's totally fine too. There's tons of bands, you know, for different people for that very reason. But, um, I think that sometimes those fans can just end up liking us because they're like, Oh, I'm a fan of corn or POD or Papa Roach. And now I'm going to like Islander. And it's like, I don't know. It's not as, it doesn't feel as genuine sometimes when, when people are like just a fan of your band because they're a fan of another band, but you know, guilty by association. I'm <laughs> <laughs> It's just interesting because, you know, like I, I've kind of alluded to and, and have said quite a bit on, on this podcast, you know, I'm getting ready to turn 36 in a couple of months. And I remember, and I sound so old when I say this, but it's like, I remember, you know, when bands and the scene kind of were very involved with one another, like it wasn't uncommon to see bands touring with each other because they were friends and taking like their up and coming friends out, you know, like, and I know we keep harping on corn, but it's, they represent so much of what I'm kind of talking about, you know, with starting with uh, elementary, their own record label and bringing the bands out that they were putting on their record label because they believed in those bands. And, you know, then seeing, you know, Deftones dudes taking out some of those bands and just, it was, it felt like there was more camaraderie back in the day. And so while some people seemingly are, I don't want to say talking shit on, on bands, basically, for, for having friends in the industry and, and kind of getting, quote-unquote, hooked up. 
only in the sense of not financially typically, but mm. uh, just as far as the opportunities you're getting. But it is one of those things where I think that's what creates a larger scene is people supporting one another. And I just, I don't feel like I see that as much anymore. And it feels like everyone's so quick to tear it down. And instead of just kind of being like, you know what, like, you know, I think a great example of that really is uh, what Bad Wolves, the relationship between Bad Wolves and in Fire from the Gods now to Five Figure Death Punch. You know, Zoltan obviously manages both of those bands, but it's great to see that they're they're helping them and, and trying to usher in another, you know, big club size band or even a, basically an arena size band, hopefully, if they groom, groom them well enough and people like seemingly like them. And I just don't understand why it seems like bands are such in such competition with one another that they're not willing to help each other and and kind of put the proverbial ladder down to help each other up as opposed to basically kind of going in in this together in an industry that doesn't really give a fuck about any anybody other than the dollars and cents that they can make off of you for however long that is dude you just hit the nail on the head that's a lot of the issue i remember you know growing up and yeah like you're saying like the family values tour and and even even more like for me, I grew up more in a, the hardcore scene and stuff. I, I feel like the the bands just had more of a family vibe to them. Kind of like everybody was, was almost like in each other's bands almost. It was like you were in each other's bands. I don't know how else to explain it. But now it's like everybody's trying to backstab each other and get the one up and be the bigger band. And, and um, it's like, dude, like quit worrying so much about your own band being the biggest band and just start loving on each other and loving on other people. Because the, when your band is about being rock stars, it's, it's so, it puts me off so bad. Oh my gosh. It puts me off. But like for me, the bands that always made it special were the ones that stopped being about themselves. And they were always about the fans, about me. And I want to be that for other people because growing up and seeing bands like POD and blindside and stuff and how, how they i remember there was a blindside documentary and in the blindside documentary christian the singer he said that the shows started being special when they stopped being about the band it started being about everybody else and that's what islander always tries to do we we try to make it about everybody else because we let the fans know look until you show up it's just practice there's nothing here magical about what we're doing it's what you guys are doing that's magical so i think that a lot of bands just don't know that they don't come from that and they they just think that being in a band is supposed to be getting your band as big as possible that's not what being in a band is right man blindside i love that band and that's you know it's funny i don't think a lot of people realize that as pod was kind of breaking here in the states anyway with uh fundamental elements of southtown you know i remember the video for uh southtown actually uh was it uh wolf is wearing a a blindside i think he's wearing a blindside tank top no it's uh sunny's wearing a blindside shirt and okay. uh love love was wearing a zayo jersey <laughs> okay okay i was gonna i haven't seen that video in a while no, no, totally. at that time yeah. i had gotten really big into blindside especially uh silence that yeah. record at, at that time and you know both of them kind of championing each other when they're both kind of breaking but pod kind of broke first and bigger so it's just kind of like you know like I don't know, like we're basically saying and reiterating is that, you know, bands 
helped each other back then. And I just, I feel like there's just so much competition. And I don't know if it's just because of albums, like the album sale world isn't the same anymore. Like you're not, bands aren't getting big advances. The only way that you're able to make a living, a decent living is touring. And that everyone's just looking at each other as competition. And I just always kind of look to, you know, the, the pop and hip hop worlds where you see so much collaborations going on and people seemingly not caring as much about, you know, well, I, I don't want to, I don't fuck with this person because like, you know, they might take away something from me financially or whatever. And it's like, you know what? Like, no, nah, like, ha- like have this feature on my track. I'll bring this person out on tour with me and then we can do this song and it's going to make everyone happy and people are going to be so stoked on it. And, you know, all it's going to do is maybe like their fans will end up finding out about me or vice versa because I like what they're doing. They like what I'm doing. And it just seems to be those two genres have always done really good and are always typically bigger than rock and metal. And I always just kind of look at it and go like, why the, like, why can't the rock hardcore metal scene kind of be as collaborative anymore? And what is causing it? And the only thing I come down, the only thing I've come up with is that it's, it's about money and maybe an industry turning everyone against each other. And that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, I I think you're right, man. I think that, some people think that this is, you know, competition's good for business and whatnot, but not in rock and roll. It's one of the weirder things. Like, I know that, I don't know, I know, I know the right answers and stuff for business, but I, I'm telling you, like, I agree with you 1,000% because, you know, you look at hip-hop and pop and everything, and it's like just all the crossover promotion and everything that, that they go into, and now like that that stuff, they're not even rappers and pop artists it's like you're just superstars like you're they're like Lil Yachty's like doing voices for like superhero movies <laughs> and and they're doing like sprite commercials and all kind of stuff and it's like rock music is just so stale and un, unadventurous and or is unadventurous a word I think that's yeah yeah sure. so I'm just I'm just I don't know it's been I woke up not too long before this call. Sorry, <laughs> but <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, I don't know. I just, I just feel like it's just gotten way too much about can my band be bigger than your band? And it's like, dude, like who cares whose band's bigger? Like just get, do your own thing, but like let's all do it together. Like I don't know. You know, kind of shifting gears a little bit, you know, something that kind of intrigued me uh, when listening to your interview with Scott on the Good Company show is, you know, it just seems like you've been able to manifest a lot for yourself in the band through all of your hard work and perseverance. Have any bands or labels approached you to do any like A&R work or any band management stuff? Um, They haven't, but I, I've thought about doing some band management myself and I, i've hel- I helped out some like of my friends bands that are unsigned and stuff I'm, like not not for money or anything right now but i do think about band management a lot and um i feel like i would be a good manager um just because um number one i i care <laughs> and i i don't um i don't know i i just feel like something a lot of managers don't have is like the ability to relate to bands that tour and sleep in vans and stuff and i feel like i would be able to do that very well but i don't know i'm I'm, right now i'm still i'm still in the position of really trying to you know make islander successful so i feel like there's not really time to to do that for another band right now but in the future i'm definitely considering band management um so if there's a band out there listening to this you need a manager talk to me maybe 
who knows maybe this time is the time but <laughs> i i don't know i um I, I do love the diy culture though i don't i don't sit around and wait for the record label to tell me what to do um i i'm always want, like thinking about you know shooting music videos and all that kind of stuff it's just kind of interesting it, it's one of those things where you know i feel like now i want to say really in the last 10 years but i'll just focus on the last five since social media has become as prevalent as it is you know with things such as tiktok and everything mm -hmm. that it's not necessarily about being a band or being an individual that's in a band you're basically a brand now and the thing that's always kind of interesting about thinking about that is you know you're looking at you know like i mentioned zoltan from five finger he's an arguably one of the biggest hard rock band metal bands whatever you want to define them as in the world but he's also managing two bands that are on the rise and you know he just believes so much in music and wants to give back and so forth that you're seeing these people kind of finding different lanes that they they work in and are able to use their acumen of you know knowledge that they've accrued over their their career and even seeing someone like you know I know Andy from Every Time I Die for a little bit was doing some like light A&R type stuff for uh Metal Blade I believe and you know so it, it's it, it seems that people are trying to find any way that they can be successful in the music industry. I'm even looking at Ken Susie recently, you know, in the last couple of years, he's partnered with Fishman Pickups and become kind of a brand ambassador who's going around and getting all these, you know, guitar players and musicians on board with the brand doing interviews. Like this past week, he's been doing a lot of interviews with guitar players and posting them on the Fishman Facebook. So you're starting to see, like I said, so many people kind of finding different lanes within the industry as well as doing their own band and kind of continuing on. But really, Realizing that I think being in a band is, is only finite and you have to find things to do with the other 23 and a half hours or 20, you know, 22 and a half hours of being on the road and, and what you do in your downtime. So it just seems like one of those things for you that I could see you being, you know, a co-writer with bands. I could see you maybe being an a &R guy or being a, a band manager or something, but just didn't know if that's something that you're looking into currently or if your vision is somewhere else entirely. Yeah, I mean, I, I I do. I think about being a, a band manager just because, again, like I want to cultivate, you know, a scene that that isn't out, just out to get people and f everybody or whatever. Because I feel like a lot of the industry is that. So I feel like the more people we have in it that are legit, I feel like that you know we can start weeding out slowly the darkness that's in it. But um, I think that again, for me, right now I'm so focused on Islander. And um, and just our future right now, because, you know, we still have so so far to go in, in, in the realm of what people deem success or whatever. You know, as far as I'm concerned, I've already been successful with the band. It's just now it's just about being able to get to a place where we can keep doing it because, you know, I have a wife. We, we all have families and stuff. It, it's just it's hard to tour and not think about the business side. But our, our hearts have just never been like i think sometimes it hurts it hurts us that we're not more money driven like we're we're just so about the people that we forget sometimes that it is a business but i think it's good too because it keeps our band honest and it keeps it real because you're never going to find islander just doing something for a paycheck or whatever it's like dude like islanders a real band like we we care about human beings right um kind of last few questions i have for you as we as we wind this down um 
I didn't necessarily know how I wanted to bring this up, but I do think in light of kind of what we're talking about as far as some of the, the things that have happened throughout your career and how they've affected you, good, bad, or indifferent, you know, I remember really seeing you guys come onto the scene really uh, in light of the Warp Tour incident that happened um, that you guys were a part of. And, you know, a lot of people came to your, your aid. Like a lot of your friends kind of stood up for you guys uh, in thinking that, you know, you shouldn't have been booted off the tour for the, the, the remainder of the dates you had left or whatever. But I kind of wanted – I don't think I've really seen you really – you really talk about it other than I think like a, an official press release. But, you know, now that we're as far back as, as we are from that happening, that incident happening, do you feel that that kind of actually brought Islander to a, a bigger audience maybe that you wouldn't have even gotten – going and doing a full warp tour uh in the crowd that you're on because now people kind of are at least aware of who you are and they're checking you out the old adage basically there is no such thing as bad bad publicity yeah i think so i think that um you know that that whole incident just so anybody that's listening that doesn't know what happened was i i dove into a a drum kit at the end of the set and it, it dented the drum kit on the side like it just put like a dent in it and it wasn't our drum kit but i for some reason in, in my head, I wasn't really thinking about that. It was a backline kit that the, that the, the stage had rented or whatever for all the bands to use. And I don't know. I just, I just wasn't thinking about it. I, sh I shouldn't have dove into somebody else's kit, but at the same time, the music just kind of took over and we had, we had our kit with us and we, we had wanted to use it, but they wouldn't let us. And um, we offered, for the rest of the tour we said hey we said um number one we were gonna pay for it 100 percent. that's the first thing we told them and everything was cool we had talked to the the stage managers and the sound guys and everything that were at the the festival and they were like dude totally cool we get it thanks thanks so much for taking care of it so number one we were gonna pay for it number two we had our our drum kit with us that was actually way nicer and we were like hey everybody's welcome to use this this drum uh, it was just the floor tom by the way um, we were like they can use it um, as long as they need and they were like no that's not even necessary the other drum kit works perfectly they said it's just got a dent in it so they just can't turn it back into the company that they rented it from with the dent in it without it being paid for and we we're like cool well we'll pay for it so that was kind of the extent of it but when it got back to kevin lyman um I think that he was just so busy at the time and had so much going on with like it being the last warp tour or whatever. I don't really feel like he, I, th I feel like when it got back to him, he, he thought the stage burnt down or something like it just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like how it's like hearsay. It's that like, classic game of telephone. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I don't blame him. Cause again, I, I don't feel like he fully understood the situation. The only thing that upsets me a little is I don't feel like he tried to understand the situation more. Cause I never really got to just say like, Hey, here's what it is and what happened. And have you seen it? And you know, um, but yeah, we went to his office and, and he booted us off the tour and, uh, it was all all good vibes though i mean like it wasn't like we were punching each other or anything we we shook each other's hands and told each other we loved each other and um again though i, I will say he wasn't super jumping on like understanding or hearing what had happened it, it was just kind of like i don't need to know what what else happened i just know something happened and you guys need to get gone and so like it it, it ended up being a way way bigger deal than it actually should have been but to answer your question yes i think that um you know, considering we were playing the tour without pay, and this was the first day we had ever played the tour. This was what's even crazier. It was day one. Um, 
uh, day one for us anyways, like we, we jumped on the tour about a week and a half late or something, but we weren't even getting paid or fed on the tour. So for us, we were kind of like, well, at least we get to save some money uh, <laughs> and go shoot a music video now for, for the song, my friends, which uh, features Eric from I prevail. But um, yeah, it was just a weird thing. It was like, I don't know. I saw it end up on Rolling Stone and Billboard and everything. Cause like head from corn started, you know, telling Kevin that it was kind of messed up because Corn's taking us out three times at that point. And it, I think the head knew it was like, dude, like Islanders not going to just be, you know, assholes. <laughs> so, yeah. And, um, and then, you know, Corey Taylor had said something and Sonny from POD asked why Warp Tour became such pansies. And, and then, uh, Steve is from, from the fever, three, three, three jumped in. And, uh, I don't know. It was just, I appreciate everybody getting involved. And some people got upset with us for sharing every single publication. (laughs) And, but here, here's the issue. When you have a band like Islander, that's trying to get noticed all the time. If billboard and Rolling Stone are posting about my band, I don't really care what capacity is in. I'm just going to share it. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, no, I do. I do the same thing, man. Like sometimes, like stuff will get picked up on this show. Like I've had Alt Press pick up on a couple episodes, and I'm like, man, Alt Press picked this up. Jesus, all right. Like I'm sharing it, and like I feel bad sometimes for some of the things that happen. But it's like, yeah. dude, I'm a DIY podcast. I don't spend any money on advertising or anything. So. Unfortunately, like for me, you know, the guest or whoever, like if something gets picked up and maybe it's not making them look the best, I'm sorry. Like they knew it was being recorded, but it's cool for me, you know, like, so I totally get what you're saying. That's why I was saying, like, I don't think people understand sometimes that even though most of the press probably makes you look bad in theory, it's still getting your name out to a a, a demographic and an audience that you couldn't have paid for. Exactly. Uh, Or if you could, the amount of money you would have paid for to get a Rolling Stone mention would have been so stupidly high that you couldn't have afforded to. Right. So that's, that's what the thing, the whole thing was. It was like, man, like, you know, we weren't throwing shade or anything. I feel like we were very respectful and maybe even beyond what we should have been. I I don't know. I don't know the answer, but I, I do know that it blew out of proportion but we got more press out of it than if we kept playing the tour and not being paid. So, <laughs> so who who really won here? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, kind of the last question I have for you. You know, like obviously we're we're in a very unprecedented uh, time here in the music industry as far as dealing with COVID-19 and and tours being canceled and and all this kind of stuff. We're seeing records getting pushed back. We're seeing you know, tours that were, you know, I was actually having a conversation with my wife this morning, uh, walking our dog, you know, and just kind of being like, you know, there are tours that, you know, are getting rescheduled that are affecting the people who are trying to go out for fall and winter tours because now everyone's trying to snatch up the same dates and there are bands pushing their stuff back into next year. Movies are getting scrapped until next year now, you know, release dates and, you know, just seeing even in the music industry, or I'm sorry, the movie industry that movies are coming out for a, a more of a premium to, to be able to watch them from your homes uh, instead of because you can't go to a theater. How do you think this is going to affect uh, the music industry moving forward with ways of releasing things, with touring? Do you think everything's going to kind of go back to normal relatively quickly, or do you think this is going to have a very a much larger reaching impact on the industry? You know, I don't, I don't know 
a future, obviously, but I would say I'm, I'm, not, I'm obviously not happy any of this has happened. I mean, my, my aunt died. Everybody's losing money. I'm I'm not on tour. Like, there's just been so many things. So I'm not saying that this is positive, but I try to look for the positives and things. So um, I think one thing that this could help is um, the bands that are doing it for the wrong reasons. Hopefully, some of them get weeded out through this process. Um, and the bands that are doing it for the right reasons, like Islander, and if we weren't doing it for the right reasons, you know, I wouldn't be able just to say that so bluntly, because I, I feel like some people might think like, oh, you mean you just do it for the right reasons? It's like, dude, like that, that's what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about bands like P.O.D. and and Corn and Islander and and 68, and just stuff like that, that. That's doing it for the right reasons in the sense that we don't wait for people to tell us when we're going to tour or tell us when we're going to have an Instagram live video or I don't know. Like I just, I just feel so passionately that this whole process could weed out some of the bands that don't understand the DIY culture because Islander has always thrived under the pressure of crisis, whether it be big or small, like if, were, if our van breaks down or whatever, we look for solutions instead of the complaint complaining you know aspects of whatever it is we could do we just say like what can we make come of this and i don't know i just feel like a lot of the bands are going to be weeded out hopefully that um aren't in it for the right reasons there's a lot of them yeah i I definitely kind of agree with that on a multitude of levels i i think you can extend that to the music industry side of things as well um oh yeah that's a whole whole different topic no yeah no it's it's the whole thing and I, i think that I mean, again, like going into like the actual music industry thing, I think that certain things that that could go out of business or whatever from this. I, again, I don't wish that on anybody. I, I I want us all to thrive and to do well, and but I want us to do it for the right reasons. And I, I think there's just so much darkness in entertainment industry in general um, that you know the the ones that are here that that just want to love people and not do it for money or what because a lot of people right now are like, Oh my gosh, I'm losing money. It's like, dude, Islander already didn't have any money. We were, we're so poor when it comes to our, to our bands. I mean, our, our band that we literally, this isn't affecting us in the same way because we're just like, well, well, whenever we're able to tour again, we'll just, I guess we'll just get back in the van and <laughs> go. Like, it doesn't, I don't know. It's just not that we're not, really losing right now right now we've been more busy this year with this whole thing than we were before it like we had a tour booked with papa roach and hollywood and dead that wasn't even announced yet i don't even know if it's happening i mean i'm sure it's not but like i haven't heard the official like hey it's canceled but like um i just feel like i don't know if any tours are happening this year at this point and i think that um the bands that that are just upset and that they're not playing, you know, they're going to not find the solutions in there to be creative and, and keep doing this. So I'm, I'm happy about that. But again, I don't, I don't wish it on anybody to go broke or anything. I hope everybody's successful and doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I want to thank you again for uh, taking the time to chat. Uh, I know I probably had you a little bit longer than I was supposed to, but uh, greatly appreciated. Like I said, I heard you uh, heard you on a lot of podcasts and so forth, but really getting to hear you talk long form uh, and not necessarily pushing anything on, on Scott's show really kind of informed me that I, I was like, man, I need to get Mikey on this show and really kind of get some of that uh, 
that good free-flowing conversation that it seems like you really thrive in when you're doing press of this kind of variety. <laughs> Dude, thanks so much for having me, and uh, let's do it again sometime. I enjoyed this. Yeah, when you got the whenever some new music or a record or EP or whatever the industry looks like uh, and will allow you to put out, yeah, we'll definitely do another one of these. It'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. And right now, um, again, whoever's listening, please go check out our our uh, cover of REMs. It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine on YouTube. Um, it's coming out April twenty fourth on uh, all streaming platforms and Apple Music, Spotify, all that stuff. So. Yeah. Well, hopefully this year we'll we'll get to see you guys uh, out on the road, and and hopefully maybe you'll be uh, somewhere in the Midwest or here in Michigan at least, so we can uh, maybe link up and actually meet in person. Because I always like to uh, try to at least uh, meet the person that I've talked to and, and felt like I, I kind of built a little bit of a rapport with uh, in person, if possible. Dude, absolutely. Let me know when we're in your area. I'll throw you on the guest list. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, hopefully uh, no more accidents with the pup. <laughs> Thanks, brother. You too. Yeah. Have a good one. So that was my conversation with Mikey from Islander. Want to give a huge shout out to Mikey for taking the time and being so forthcoming and honest with everything. Always greatly appreciated when anyone does that, especially, you know, considering more or less we're just complete strangers and have only known each other for 45 minutes. And, and usually at that point, you know, 20 some odd minutes in, it's like, hey, let me ask you some really serious questions about your career and your your uh, friends. And, you know, if you were to do that to someone in public that you don't know, you'd probably get punched in the face. More likely, yes. <laughs> so uh always appreciative uh mikey and i have texted a couple times just kind of keeping up with uh you know his puppy because like i said i got we just got one uh almost a month ago now as of when we're recording this it's been a lot of late nights early mornings going outside every 30 40 minutes yep and uh getting your fingers bit because they're she's teething and all that kind of stuff so uh lots of fun i assume I it's like having that. a child i have a baby well the, the only difference between them i'm ripping this off of screen so you know take it how you will having a baby is like having a dog that slowly learns to talk yeah that's the only that's the only thing about that i would want from a baby if i could put it toward a, an animal is a you know i i don't know what my dog's thinking or doing or wants um and i wish you know she would learn to talk so i could figure that out because you know like today for example uh it was too quiet and I started looking around for her, and I hear click, click, like of something chomping in her teeth. And I go over there and pull it out of her mouth, and she's trying to eat a thumbtack. Right. And I was like, well, that would have cost me thousands of dollars to get out of your stomach. So glad I caught that. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but no, puppies are great. They're fun. Uh, this chat was fun. Um, I really don't have a whole lot to say. Uh, sometimes these these things kind of go a little bit longer than maybe they need to. So I think uh, just thinking the sake of uh, getting everything done and wrapped up, if you would like to keep up with Islander, it is simple enough. You can go to islanderofficial.com. Check up with everything going on over there. Facebook at Islander Official, Instagram at Islander, and Twitter at Islander underscore band. If you would like to keep up with Mikey, it's simple enough. You can find him under his name on Instagram. That's M-I-K-E-Y-C-A-R-J-A-V-A-L. And same thing on Twitter, just with an underscore in between first and last name. And if you would like to keep up with Dan... He can tell you where he can be found on the interwebs. Well, I can be found all over the place, man. I can be found on Twitter at Discuss Metal Dan, uh, on Gmail at DiscussMetalDan at gmail.com. 
or show at gmail.com. You know, pick your poison on that one. Um, you can also find my other podcast, Discography Discussion, at DiscussMetal.com. You can find Discography Discussion on Instagram, on Facebook, all that other good stuff. And uh, there's a lot of cross-promotion. So if you come to this show, definitely check out that one. If you came from our show, or if you came from Discography Discussion, checking out Brutally Speaking, we are so glad that you were here. And uh, I appreciate all of you on both sides of the fence. Tear down the fence. <laughs> and if you would like to keep up with all things this podcast, simple enough, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Pod. Email us at BrutallySpeaking at gmail.com. Um, I am almost finished, as of when we're recording this, uh, almost finished with the Brutally Speaking podcast website. A uh, lot of love going into this thing. A lot of help from a, a mutual friend who I'll do all the plugs for that shit when we finally launch this thing. Uh, but for now, it is still a temporary work in progress. Um, so look for that coming soon. We have pins. If you would like to support us monetarily, I'm trying to get these things out of here. $10 gets rid of them. Free shipping in the U.S. If you live anywhere internationally, email us, DM us, whatever. We'll figure out a way to get these out to you. I uh, would like to make that happen. Uh, Patreon.com slash Pod. There's uh, some episodes up over there. That's another way to support us monetarily if you would be so inclined. Another way to support us sort of monetarily is supporting our sponsors. You can head over to Rockabilia.com, get you some awesome swag. They actually have one Islander piece of merch. It is a Dracula crew uh, crew sweatshirt. Um Pretty interesting. I don't know any correlation to song lyrics or the band or anything, but if you're into Dracula and you like Islander, fuck it. There you go. That's the perfect marriage between those two things for you. Uh, Rockabilia has over 500,000 items on their website. Whether you're into bands, whether you're into pop culture stuff, whether you like TVs, movies, if you like something on this show, you know that they have something for you, and you don't have to worry about the integrity of the products. They are 100% guaranteed, and they actually are officially licensed, so you know it's not bootleg-ass shit like you find on eBay and some of these other junk sites everything is licensed so you know it's good uh support the band support rockabilia for supporting us head on over to rockabilia.com uh if you're a first time user if you give them your email you get 10 percent off so take advantage of that if you are able to and also speaking of support go over and support the bean bastard go to the beanbastard.com facebook and instagram at the bean bastard pick you up some delicious coffee i actually have a bag of the new sproton pack uh on its way uh it, like i said this company loves their 80s uh movies and so forth so this is obviously a Ghostbusters-themed uh, blend that they're doing. I'm very excited to try this. Uh, I'm not even necessarily the biggest coffee drinker, but everything that I have tried of theirs, I really enjoy and love. You can taste the love and the craft that they put into making their coffee and making sure it is the best coffee that it can possibly be. So if you're a coffee drinker or a fanatic in these tough times, and I know you need a cup to wake up and... and Go on with your day. Go to the Bean Bastard and support them because they are a small local Buffalo, New York business. Uh, lastly, but not leastly, on point pomade. Um, my wife's actually been doing my hair. Uh, Dan can actually see the cornrows that I have currently. Oh yeah, I can see them, and you put them on <laughs> Facebook for everyone to see. So everybody check that out. Yeah, um, my wife, uh, my hair is long enough now to to do various braids. So almost every day, my wife likes to braid my hair and then post it on Facebook um, and Instagram. Apparently now, but. Uh, all of that aside, uh, if you aren't like me and actually have a you know a decent set of hair and you're able to you know style it or your beard and you want to keep them looking good, go to onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15, save 15% off your total order. Keep your hair and beard looking on point. Want to thank all of our sponsors for supporting us in the.
these uh, rough times. If you are able to do such and support them as well, be greatly appreciated. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. We will talk to you all next time. Oh, that fucking sucked. Oh, that fucking sucked.